We say that we could never reinvent the wheel, but what about something like reinventing concrete? From buildings to roads, concrete truly is everywhere we look, which probably is why we get the lyrics about New York being the concrete jungle where dreams are made of. However, our massive reliance on concrete in our society has an unspoken consequence on our environment. Creating concrete contributes to pollution, using concrete in construction contributes to pollution, and every square foot of a concrete building is just another square foot of nature that has been destroyed. But perhaps one of the biggest issues is the question of sustainability. Concrete can crack, it can break. Think about every single time you've seen a road that needs new pavement. So how can we take something so essential and reinvent it? I'm Jun Kim, and welcome back to On The Sidelines. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about Concrete Reimagined and what this may mean for the environment is Santiago Vera, a Science for Everyone researcher. Thanks for joining us, Santiago. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. This seems like it'll be fun to do. Absolutely. We're glad you're here too, because uh, our topic today is pretty interesting. We don't really think about concrete as a huge environmental factor. We don't think about concrete very often in our lives, but it truly is everywhere. So let's start with that. What is the actual environmental impact of concrete? Because again, we don't really think about it very often. We are not told about it very often on the news or anything like that. How big would you say is the impact of concrete and why is it so bad for the environment? Yeah, so although concrete is all around us, we see it every day, you know, we, we live in it, we drive our cars in it, we don't really stop to think about you know, just the level of impact that it has on a global scale. So if the concrete industry was its own country, it would actually rank third globally for um, carbon dioxide emissions. It produces roughly 2.8 million tons of carbon dioxide per year. And just for reference, China is first with 10 million tons and the U.S. is second for, with 5 million tons. So, you know, concrete is, is third and not too far behind on the grand scheme of things. Um, to add more, a little bit more context for those that might not be aware, concrete is made by mixing cement with aggregate, uh, an aggregate mix. So the aggregate mix is a blend of stone and sand, um, you know, random rocks and stuff like that. And they're mixed in and poured into a mold and it hardens. The biggest culprit of the carbon dioxide emissions is the production of the cement. So cement, the, the chemical process to create cement redu uh, produces a ton of carbon dioxide emissions. For every pound of concrete uh, or cement, roughly 0.93 pounds of carbon dioxide is emitted. So a lot of carbon dioxide is produced per, per pound of, of concrete and cement. So it's the biggest culprit there is carbon dioxide. It's a killer, but it's something you don't think about, right? You just see concrete being laid out in buildings and then in construction sites, but you're like, oh yeah, it's, it's there, but so what? Right. So it, it sounds like it's not even just the concrete existing there. It's not like concrete pollutes, but putting all that concrete there in the first place really is the issue. And like we said before, it is truly everywhere. Uh, and another concern then, I guess, is, you know, once we put it there, is that the end of the story? Does concrete just kind of sit there for the rest of time? Maybe, maybe not, right? So even though concrete is pretty durable, uh, what do you think are some main concerns and issues when it comes to sustainability and using concrete as one of our main kind of building tools for our buildings, roads, everything like that? Yeah, some of the biggest issues with sustainability for, for concrete is the fact that it costs a lot of money for, for us to repair, uh, but also um, the, just creating the amount of, of concrete that we, that we use as a society um, 
nowadays. So in 2019, roughly 103,000 tons of concrete was consumed in the U.S. alone. Um, and obviously, that, that's just the U.S., but you know, there's Canada, there's China, there's Japan, there's, there's countries that use a, a ridiculous amount of, of concrete over time. And also, like monetarily, the U.S. spends roughly $18 billion a year on concrete protection, strengthening, and repair. So it's, it's a sustainability issue, not necessarily just for the environment, but also just financially, right? Concrete, we need it, and it's a great, great you know, substance that we use every day in our buildings and roads, bridges, and stuff like that. But it is something that we have to constantly be repairing and paying for and creating um, as we expand infrastructure everywhere. Right. And, you know, as we use it more, it's more present, we industrialize, we need more concrete buildings, we need more roads to connect us to more places. I, I guess this only gets worse, right? So that comes to the interesting, the fun part. How do we address this issue of sustainability then? What is this crazy new innovation in the world of concrete and how will it work? How will it change concrete as we know it? Um, there are some concretes that um, what they'll do is the the actual like, they can use waste products uh in in creating concrete so as i mentioned earlier concrete is made of aggregates which is kind of crushed um, rocks and they kind of mix that into cement so what they're what some research is looking to add maybe waste plastic waste paper into that aggregate mix so it kind of offsets some of the um the footprint of, of creating concrete. Another one is actually having um, carbon absorbing concrete. So in the manufacturing process, there's chemical processes that will allow uh, it to absorb uh, carbon dioxide in its manufacturing. So although it creates a ton of carbon dioxide, it's also absorbing some. So it kind of offsets um, some of the carbon emissions that concrete takes. And then the one that uh, I kind of like the most is bioconcrete. So this is, um, using bacteria or fungus in the actual manufacturing process of concrete because there's some research going on right now that that is finding that bacteria's waste product can actually be actually be used to uh, repair cracks in 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 concrete so we kind of embed some bacteria uh, in 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 the concrete making process it lies dormant as concrete you know exists so in buildings there'd be some bacteria hanging out in the concrete. And then um, when cracks are formed, the, the bacteria would eat some of the nutrients that are also embedded in the concrete and its waste products actually fill in the cracks that is found in the concrete. That's crazy. That's, that's very cool to hear about because, you know, no one really thinks about, hey, how can we take something that's living, put it into something that, you know, is gray, boring and dull and let it just kind of work on its own repair itself and the other thing you mentioned really cool because we have a lot of discussions about net zero and stuff like that right so offsetting those waste products offsetting that carbon emission it looks like it's headed in a really great direction so i guess when we help the environment then let's expand more than concrete what do you think we are going to have to change about the way we use any raw material so not just concrete but logging for wood drilling for oil and other things like that yeah yeah th that's Something I'm, I'm really interested in is kind of the new biotechnology um, advancements that are being researched or worked on or prototyped uh, as we speak, right? So I know there's a lot of things going on with, for example, lab-grown meat. So um, meat that is actually, you know, produced in, in a lab setting from 
whether it be bacteria or some other kind of non-animal source, which is more sustainable. Obviously, we don't have to harm animals in the creation of lab-grown meat. It doesn't, you know, use the same amount of land, water, uh, carbon emissions as uh, typical farming. That's one example. Another one is uh, bacteria that actually eats um, garbage or waste or um, bacteria that can actually eat or consume oil. That specifically could be used in oil spills, right? You have oil spills. It's really hard to separate the oil from the water. It, you know, ruins environments and stuff like that. And this bacteria can be placed into that environment to, to reduce the harm of the oil spills. There are, these are all great things that are being worked on, prototyped. Um, some companies have it available. The real issue now is, um, do we have customers for it? Is there demand for it? You know, everyone hears about these things and they say, wow, like, this is great. This is amazing. You know, this would be so much better for the environment. This is cool technology. But because it's newer, it costs more. And that's when it's like, oh, well, it's cool, but not that cool. I'm going to stick with this option, option A, that's cheaper. It's like, okay, we have it. How do we start implementing it? How do we change our day-to-day processes to incorporate this new technology that's better for the environment, but might cost more? Right. And that is all obviously the, the ultimate question. We have all these developments, but if it's too expensive, we don't use them. So what would you suggest moving forwards? Anything that you think we should you know, promote? How do we get companies or how do we get people on board with this? How do we convince people that we should start using this? What do we need to say to convince them? <laughs> That's the million dollar question, right? It's how do we as consumers get companies to, to start using these things? And I think part of it is kind of what we're doing today is, is talking about it, making it more publicly available and known, right? You know, some, lots of people probably don't know that bioconcrete could be a thing or lab-grown meat could be a thing or, you know, bacteria that eats oil is a thing. But the more that we talk about it, the more we share with our friends, you know, you, you support the companies that are trying to make these advancements, the more other companies will be like, oh, so, you know, consumers are interested in this or not interested in this. I, I think it's very similar to kind of the, like, lactose-free milk, right? Like I feel like a while ago that was like, there might be almond milk that's available in the grocery store. But as it became more known, more popular, more demand, you had almond milk, you have oat milk, you had, you know, a a wide variety of lactose-free milk. And I think it's kind of a similar idea. We have technology, it's just the demand, the awareness and people asking for it. Thanks so much, Santiago. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for the insights and- Absolutely. That's exactly what we can do. Talk about it more, spread the word. Thank you again for tuning in and remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting your world. If you want to learn more about self-healing concrete, biotechnology, or any of the other topics we talked about on the show, visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at Sci for Everyone and on our website at www.scienceforeveryone.ca. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, June Kim, Taneshwari Rajendran, and Cheryl Nguyen. On the Sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto's Student Engagement Grant.